I always stuff up the introduction. They, the other two laugh at me because I always have so many takes for the introduction. Okay. So I could go and rest for a while? You could, yeah. Go and have a cup <laughs> and come back. Okay. Hi, everybody. It's Phil Russo here. And uh, welcome to the next edition of Infection Control Matters. And I'm delighted to be joined by Associate Professor Nolene Bennett. Hi, Nolene. Oh, hi, Phil. Thanks for asking me to join you today. You're welcome. Um, Nolene is the Infection Control Consultant at the Victorian Healthcare Associated Infection Coordinating Centre and also works for the National Centre for Antimicrobial Stewardship. It's quite a mouthful, Nolene. Oh, it is. It is. So I'm glad you've said it and you've said it correctly too. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> Um, Nolene, the reason I wanted to chat to you is because you have done an enormous amount of work in aged care and one of the things that COVID has highlighted for us over the past couple of years is major gaps that we find in healthcare in aged care but also in infection prevention um, related matters in aged care. Uh, but you've actually been working with aged care for quite a while pre COVID, mm. both in the infection space and also the antimicrobial stewardship space. So mm -hmm. I was just wondering, perhaps if you could tell us a little bit about what you've done and uh, mm. in those areas for both VICDIS and also the National Centre for Antimicrobial Stewardship. Uh, so yeah, and let us know uh, what you found. So you're right to say it has been many years, and I'm not going to tell you exactly how many, but <laughs> certainly many. <laughs> so I have been working in the aged care, residential aged care setting, and mostly coordinating surveillance and related research projects. Two major projects. And so the first is the Vignis Infection Indicator Program. Um, the current version of that was commenced in 2017. And that involves the public residential aged care facilities located in Victoria, of which there's about 180, collecting surveillance data, monitoring significant organisms, so MRSA infections, VRE, C. difficile, and also checking vaccination compliance for both staff and residents. The second project that I've coordinated, and I might add coordinated with a team, I don't do this alone, <laughs> is um, the Aged Care National Antimicrobial Prescribing Survey. And that looks to monitor both infections and antimicrobial use on a single day. Now, that particular survey, that project is available to all residential aged care facilities across Australia, of which there's about 3,000. The first project, the Vignis Infection Indicator Program, that one, as I said, public facilities only located in Victoria, that's mandatory that they participate. The second project, it's voluntary for the most for facilities across Australia to participate in. Just to um, quickly jump in, so Vignis is the Victorian Surveillance Program, essentially, and that was set up um, 20 or so years ago um, for surveillance in acute care facilities, but yes. you've been working there for quite some time. And it's yeah. um, quite well established now, and um, you, you have been, as, as you mentioned, broaching into the aged care mm. area. Mm. Yeah. So just Vignis, um, and there's a website, you know, listeners can go to <laughs> to find out more. But So just briefly... Vignis commenced back in 2002 and um, the focus was on hospitals only. And as time went on, it became apparent that we needed to start working with our aged care facilities. 
Now, it's fair to say working between the two, there was different challenges, you know, differences. And I think what became clear was that most certainly you couldn't just apply what we had done in the hospitals to our aged care facilities. Some of those challenges, very briefly, for example, um, if I talk first um, leadership within these aged care facilities, we found managers had very low awareness about surveillance programs. Certainly those managers have a lot of competing priorities that they have to oversee. We have found working with aged care They don't always have the resources for these clinical-based initiatives, lack of expertise for all the components of surveillance. So, you know, if we think collection, analysis and interpretation of surveillance data, education and training, you know, I think education for these clinical-based initiatives are sometimes prioritised lower just because of time constraints and they don't have an appreciation of the importance maybe. Mm. And just there's an overwhelming number of interventions that they might be required to undertake, particularly since the spotlight of COVID (laughs) has um, been put on them. You know, this is all just coming to mind as I'm talking, just one, the lack of IT infrastructure. That's Mm -hmm. another big one to support these aged care facilities in doing surveillance. So, yeah, definitely challenges, differences between acute and aged care. Yeah, so really stark challenges with with workforce, I guess. Yeah, absolutely, that too. um, Capacity, capability, resources. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, that really just means that whatever we have, uh, in the hospitals is probably not going to be able to be, uh, you know, lend itself to those because Absolutely. it just doesn't have that infrastructure to support. Yeah. 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 We've certainly just, you know, we've really had to work hard to inform the funding bodies, you know, that we can't just apply. It's just not that simple to mm-hmm. apply the hospital surveillance program to the aged care program. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell me about um, what sort of standards there are for aged care, uh, Nolene? What, what um, you know, it's quite clear in our in the Australian acute care facilities that the standards um, set a minimum standard for surveillance and certain infection prevention activities. Mm-hmm. What's the situation with the standards in aged care? So here in Australia, um, the aged care facilities or aged care settings do have accreditation standards. Um, They're different to the acute care standards. And in 2019 about, they were revised and a new version um, to be implemented in these facilities. And they're currently under revision again. In 2019, for the first time, they introduced a standard around antimicrobial stewardship. So that was new for these facilities, a new concept, and it didn't exactly spell out surveillance per se, but it was implied in these new standards that both infection and antimicrobial use surveillance was going to be important, that when the accreditor came round, that there'd be certainly questions and asked about surveillance and, you know, that they were accountable for that. So really this whole concept of surveillance as such for these aged care facilities in Australia is relatively new in that they've been the expectation is that they are tracking and reporting infections and antimicrobial use. Okay. So let perhaps just go back a little bit then that you've done some work with surveillance and also AMS um, in the aged care facilities, probably pre-COVID, I think. Mm-hmm. What what sort of things did you find when you um with those um, studies? So I'll start what we found with the Vignis program. That's the infection indicator program. 
we've found that in relation, surprisingly, in relation to the significant organism infections, so again, that was MRSA, BRE and C. difficile, that we haven't found high incidence of those infections. A bit hard to explain because elsewhere, internationally, I think sometimes they do have high incidence rates. In regards to vaccination coverage for both staff and the residents, we have found high documented influenza coverage for staff and residents. But what has not been reported as highly is um, pneumococcal and herpes zoster vaccination, documented vaccination for the residents. That's a bit tricky, that one, because it might have been before they came to the residential aged care facility that they'd had the vaccination and they're just not reporting it on admission. But nevertheless, in the facilities, we're finding that it's very low numbers that it's documented that the residents have had that pneumococcal and herpes zoster vaccination. As far as the Aged Care National Antimicrobial Prescribing Survey, what we've found from that is No surprise, high numbers of suspected urinary tract infections, respiratory infections and skin and soft tissue infections. Uh, We found a high prevalence of residents prescribed at least one antimicrobial. We know it's high. We've compared ourselves crudely against um, there's some HALT studies that were undertaken in the European facilities, HALT standing for Healthcare Associated Infections and Long-Term Care facilities in Europe. By the ACDC? Yes. Yep. Yep. And we compared ourselves crudely against uh, the results, their results, and we found that we do very much comparatively have a high prevalence of antimicrobial use in our facilities. Hmm. We found that our antimicrobial prescriptions, the duration is prolonged, a high percentage, I think even close to 40% on the survey day. Usually those prolonged prescriptions are for urinary tract infection prophylaxis. We found that we do use a lot of antimicrobials prophylactically. And again, that's for the UTI infections. A lot of topical antimicrobial use for unspecified skin conditions and incomplete documentation, which is never going to help around review and stop dates and also um, the indication, the reason why that antimicrobial was given. So in the list that I've just outlined, it's fair to say, Phil, I think there's areas for improvement. And we're very aware of that at a national level to try and look to support the facilities, implement some changes so that you know, we can work on these findings, you know, improve these findings. Yeah. So in, in summary, what you found was when you looked for infections, you didn't actually find that many um, infections amongst the residents. But when you looked at the antimicrobial um, prescribing, there was a lot of antimicrobial use, much of which was too long, inappropriate, mm. prophylactic, and perhaps not warranted. Yeah, that's fair to say. Yep. Mm-hmm. So just to be careful you know our numbers in infections you know we feel confident we're getting the right numbers here because you know we're very strict in standardizing our definitions around those infections um, as part of the surveillance program so yeah for the most if we're finding the numbers aren't as high as we might have thought they would be and yes you're saying that the antimicrobial use remains high nevertheless so it doesn't seem a match does it really yeah yeah yeah, sure (laughs) I'm going to move on to what your plans are for the future in, in this space. But just before we do that, tell us how you 
assess whether or not the antimicrobials are being used appropriately? How do you, what do you measure them against? Yeah, that's a good question. We're not as advanced in our aged care facility in measuring appropriateness as we are in our hospitals. So in our hospitals, you can picture it, can't you? Um, you've got a team of infectious diseases, physicians, pharmacists, other clinicians who can talk to get work together to come to a consensus as to whether a prescription will be submitted as to the coordinating centre as appropriate or not, based on some criteria um, that the coordinating centre, the National Centre for Antimicrobial Stewardship, um, publishes. In aged care, we haven't got there yet doing so because we're very mindful that, as I said earlier, surveillance is new to these aged care facilities and acknowledging as of yet they haven't got the expertise maybe to be determining whether an antimicrobial prescription is appropriate or not. So with that in mind, we have been doing some indirect measurements of appropriateness. And so what I mean by that, for example, if there's a prescription and it doesn't have review or stop date documented, then we label, we classify that as in an inappropriate prescription. Another example is if they don't have the indication documented, the reason why that antimicrobial was prescribed, we will classify that as an inappropriate antimicrobial prescription. So, mm-hmm. you know, indirect, not Ideally, we want to aim towards those more direct appropriateness measurements, but we're just not ready quite yet, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. And the National Antibiotic Guidelines uh, are the reference document for all this, aren't they? Is that, that's, that's the case? Uh, yep. Yeah, it is. Um, so you're referring, of course, to the most. There's the Australian Therapeutic Guidelines, Antibiotic mm-hmm. Guidelines. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're quite fortunate in Australia to have those as a reference around what antimicrobial will be described for what indication or um, condition. Um, the only comment I'd make to that is those guidelines are incredibly great resource, and there are certain references that are specific that are helpful to the aged care setting. You know, we can look to, for example, the. Um, if anyone chooses to go and have a look, make sure you look at the UTI prescribing that's recommended in an aged care setting. That's an excellent um, resource. But we'll just keep coming back to the fact that aged care is a little bit different to mm. acute care. And so we've just got to be a bit careful in keeping that in mind in what we use as a resource to assist us with our prescribing. Sure, sure. Okay, great. All right, well, so... Um... Essentially, you've painted a picture of um, a lot of work needs to be done in aged care in this space. So you've got some exciting prospects, uh, projects uh, on the horizon. Do you want to tell us about what you're planning to do? So I happen to be one investigator in a team that was awarded a grant to develop, implement and evaluate what we're calling NISPAC. There's always these acronyms, isn't it? <laughs> Got to <laughs> Just... have a good acronym. <laughs> it's <laughs> no, not a study if it, it doesn't was... have a good acronym. That was step number one, come mm. up with the acronym. So NISPAC stands for National Infection Surveillance Program in Aged Care. So we're about a year and a bit into that now. And as the title suggests, as I said, developing, implementing and evaluating, and that's important to note, evaluating this program. So, my goodness, where do you even start to do that? Well, we've split it up into stages, three stages. And first stage was 
I'm going to call investigation, second stage development, and third stage implementation. Now, the first stage was really going and looking at the literature to mm-hmm. see what had been done, and that's both nationally and internationally. We have to be just a little bit careful that when here in Australia, when we look at the international data, because sometimes there's just these subtle differences between what we call a residential aged care facility, formerly known as a nursing home, compared to what our colleagues in internationally might call sure. such a facility. Yeah. So we just have to be a little bit careful when we look at the literature that we're keeping that in mind. Also, as part of stage one, in addition to this literature review, we have done interviews with the coordinating staff at VICNIS and at the National Centre for Antimicrobial Stewardship. And we also sent a survey out to residential aged care facility staff that have participated in surveillance previously. We certainly asked them questions around um, surveillance programs that they've participated in. That includes the VICNIS and the Aged Care National Antimicrobial Prescribing So as part of this stage, we were really looking to gather a lot of information to understand where we're at at this point in time. Oh, yep. Stage two, we have undertook a focus group work um, to really, um, as part of the development stage, make sure we're very aware of barriers and enablers to implementing a surveillance program. And we've undertaken what's called a Delphi Technique Survey. Mm -hmm. Now, very briefly, this is where you ask the experts over a series of surveys to come to a consensus in our case, around infection definitions that you might use specifically in aged care. I think if you work in aged care, everyone's heard of the McGear definitions and the revised McGear definitions in 2012. Excellent, you know, over the time. But we just wanted in doing this Delphi survey, just be, you know, confident that those definitions were applicable, able to be used in our Australian residential aged care facilities. You know, for example, what we know in our facilities, we don't do a lot of diagnostic testing. We, we don't do test x-rays mm. that often, mm. et cetera. So if you, it might be that infection definitions asking you if you're going to determine it to be pneumonia that you have a chest x-ray done. Well, if you don't do chest x-rays, yeah, yeah, you know, that sort of thing. So sure. we have worked through with both national and international experts to come. To, we've just finished that where we're starting to analyse and coming up with a suite of infection definitions that we can use in our facilities and that will be useful, applicable. So are you saying that you got the experts to agree to a definition? That's a major feat, that one in itself. (laughs) I think think, um, it's probably more accurate to say majority majority (laughs) yeah it's hard work yeah yeah, um, yeah. to come to that sort of consensus so that's exciting so there could be some new definitions on the horizon then Uh, that we would expect most will be applicable to australian settings maybe other international settings too Mm -hmm. um i think it's been raised in other countries too that you know as i just highlighted that sometimes the diagnostics are you know implemented as they might um elsewhere yeah cool. okay and and then so that's that's the development stage yep yep so we're developing we're still in the development stage and we're developing a portal you know mm-hmm. we, we've got to call upon our it friends to develop a portal and you know we're aiming of course always a very streamlined simple to use i think the one thing we've learned from the feedback is just keep it simple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then 
Stage three, all going well, we'll look to test and implement in a sample group of facilities. As I said earlier, we've got 3,000 facilities, residential aged care facilities in Australia. I'm sure they're all willing to um, participate in that pilot, but it'll be a small number to start with. And just to test that anything that we have developed in the real world, in the real setting, is workable. Fantastic. So, Nolan, will that be the facility staff who will be doing the surveillance or will you be providing support for that in the pilot? Um, Well, anything, that it will be the facility staff, that, Mm -hmm. um, but they will be supported. Yeah. Yeah. My goodness. Just as the hospital staff were in the early days, that's a really important thing to highlight, but this takes time. We are not looking to put out there a surveillance program and everyone on day one has got to have it down pat. Uh, what we've learned back, you know, when we first implemented the hospital programs in Australia was it takes time mm-hmm. to get to the point where this is routine, where everyone understands it, the terminology, everyone together interprets the data the same way, you know, that it's standardised. So. Sure, sure. Embedding and normalising. <laughs> Yes. Yes, I'm going to use those. It's very good, Phil. Um, So, um, so development. So, what stage will you have some data um, from the from the implementation that will um, inform you as to how how it's going? Is this a year away? Two years away? Um, About a year and a bit away. If I say in a bit, that can mean anything, can't it? (laughs) Give us a bit of time. Maybe mid-2024, you might have yeah. something that you can talk to us yeah. about. Yeah. Sure. But yeah. keeping in mind, you know, we've already got data from our two existing programs, the VICNIS program and the Aged Care NAPS. Now, people are thinking, are asking, is NISPAC going to replace those programs? No. NISPAC is going to incorporate those programs, revised versions of those programs that we have modified according to the feedback, you know, that we've improved. Mm-hmm. So, yes, this is not just another add-on. This is an overall point that will incorporate those mm. two existing programs. Sure, sure. Um, just And just with the surveillance, is it uh, is it ongoing surveillance or is it going to be pre- uh, point prevalence or period prevalence? or Yeah, a mix. A right, mix. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we know that these facilities have, and they've spoken up to this, you know, the limited resources in our Australian residential aged care facilities, especially post-COVID, there's a lot of expectations on them. You know, there's lots of new initiatives. So we're very Mm. mindful of the limited resources to have. And so often, you know, the prevalence studies are not as, obviously not as onerous. And so Mm -hmm. it's helpful to be able to offer some modules that are point prevalence surveys. That said, there are some modules that work better where we are continuously monitoring and looking at trends over time. So, for example, our significant organism modules, they're continuous versus the staff and resident vaccination compliance modules. Well, that's just a sure. you know, single-day check, really. Okay. Um, well, that's fantastic, Noreen. So your, uh, your work has really been very informative you've identified lots of issues in this space um it's probably been uh, catalyzed a bit by covid and um congratulations on your grant to do the nispac project because i think you know that's that's not just going to have local uh what's the word i'm looking for relevance uh, but it's also going to be relevant internationally yeah so good luck with that uh, as we 
finish up, are there any other things that we haven't touched on yet that you think is really crucial in this space? I think um, I just wanted to emphasise the work that we're doing on NISPAC. We are working very closely with the users. So it's very user-focused. So almost every step of the way, anything we find, anything we want to qualify, anything we need further advice around, we have a consumer committee group Mm -hmm. that we go to in addition to periodically calling upon users to assist us, you know, out there. So, yeah, if I could just emphasise that, that this development, um, this investigation, this development of NISPAT, it's not just some investigators remotely sitting somewhere Mm -hmm. (laughs) looking to, you know, do this alone. Quite the opposite. It's very, very much user-focused. And I think that's important to know. Yeah. So, I mean, it's that real co-design concept, I guess, isn't it, that you engage in an engagement. And that always um, augurs well for implementation, doesn't it, if you've had um, the users be involved from the very start, which you have. So that's that's fantastic, really crucial part of of research these days. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's fair to say we've learned a lot from them. (laughs) So (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's great. Helpful. Okay. Well, Nolene, thank you very much for sharing your stories with us. And um, I've noted it down in the diary to catch up with you again in about a year's time okay. to see uh, to see what the um, results from the um, implementation of this pack tell us. Mm-hmm. And uh, looking forward to that. Well, thanks, Phil. And thanks for the opportunity to um, highlight this work. I guess um, if anyone wants, am I allowed to say offline if they wanted to contact us and want further information? Yeah, to everybody who's listening, we will have links to the relevant papers and um, and resources that Nolene's touched on um, on, on the website. Um, so, Nolene, Bennett, thank you very much. Um, congratulations on your work. Great work. Look forward to the future. And um, may your football team win a game one day soon. <laughs> <laughs> Cut this out. Hope your team doesn't win. <laughs> uh, that's all for now, folks. That's uh, Phil Russo here, signing off. Till next time. Ciao.